0: Yeah, I mean, these boys are, really crude way of saying it, middle to low academic kids based on their previous experience. You know, their data from Year 9 and 10 show they weren't, if you stream them, they're middle to low-end academics in terms of literacy and numeracy. Does that mean they're dumb? No way, man. Like, these kids blow me away every day, and they got more resilience to push through hard learning tasks than a lot of other kids that you'd see in high-end, high stream classes, you know? and.
1: Listening to the NZPE Teacher Cast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing teachers and educators within New Zealand and around the world. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With automated self grading quizzes after every video, My Study Series ensures students receive immediate feedback on their level of understanding. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. To everyone, and welcome back to the NZPE teacher cast. Super excited to host a really passionate teacher from the east coast of New Zealand. Julian Reid is one of the most passionate teachers you'll ever meet, and I think you'll be inspired to make a difference with your students after listening to today's episode. Julian is a PE and health teacher from Whakatane High School and heads their Sport and education project, which is having a really positive impact on student outcomes. So, Julian, welcome to the podcast. Cool, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about your school and the students you teach?
0: Yep, I kind of got in teaching um, in a funny way. I actually got kicked out of teacher's college (laughs) (laughs) and then I floated around Palmy for a year and then I um, got offered a job at Kawaro College because there were no young Kiwi males willing to go teach there um, countrywide. So my mate rang me up as I was working in a pizza shop in Palmy and said, hey, mate, do you want to give teaching another crack? And I went up and I stayed for two and a half years unqualified on a limited authority to teach, which was like 25 grand a year. And then I thought, actually, I quite like this. And I'm sick of doing the same job someone else does for like 50k a year. So I went back to study and finished my degree off extramurally living in Whakatane. And um, just chipped away at it over three years. But because I um, was asked to leave Teachers College, I couldn't finish with a Bachelor of Education. I had to cross-credit and basically do a diploma year. So I got Bachelor of Sport and Exercise, Diploma Teaching, and then landed a job at Trident High School. Where I was there for two years. And then um, Taraweta High School um, opened when Kawaro College shut and jumped in the deep end and was Senior Manager there for two years. Then I was a homeroom teacher and specialist classroom teacher there for year tens, and then um, we bought a house in Fakatani last year, and I jumped on board at Fakatani High School, so been there for two terms.
1: That's um, it's really interesting story you got there, and I didn't realise um, just the um. Your your kind of your background your story and it's um it's pretty cool <laughs> and it's cool you fell back on back into teaching because I think we yeah. need, we do need teachers like you out there yeah oh, so geez. so you're from uh, you're from the east coast of New Zealand which for me personally is my least travelled area of New Zealand so for us yep. big, big city folk can you describe um, what life in general is like living in, in this awesome part of New Zealand and it's it's not so much a do you guys have internet yet type question but more along <laughs> the lines of you selling whakatane to us and, and creating an image for us.
0: Well, some of my kids don't actually have the internet, uh, believe it or not, uh, especially up towards Ruatoki, some of those houses aren't connected, even though the whole area has been snapped and stuff, um, but yeah, Eastern Bay is a really chilled out, beautiful spot, I was actually born and raised in Tauranga, but I left there in 1999, and I wouldn't go back there unless I was 10 years younger and single pretty much, but um, you know, you got Ohopi Beach just over the hill from Whakatane, which is um, probably your safest, friendliest Spot to learn to surf at, bring kids to the beach at, um, and then you got around Fakatani. You got the ridiculously pristine, beautiful bush and the uduiters and hunting and um, all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty much uh, a wildernesses uh, wilderness paradise. But in saying that, like it's um, still pretty sleepy and quiet on a Sunday afternoon. Most shops do shut, which is actually part of the beauty of Fakatani. You got no paid parking. You got beautiful beaches, beautiful scenery, and the kids are. Real humble and rural, even though it's you yep. know in the twenty first century, you've still got that edge to it where they're still um, small town, but not not too naive that it's um, you know it's it makes it too hard to teach or anything like that. It's, it's just good balance of it all. Probably what Totem was fifteen years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it, it sounds amazing, and to be honest, I really should um, get up there a little bit more, but it just it's you know it's a little bit off the track, so just yep. you tend not to get there. Yeah. So the the ethnic makeup of Whakatane is is about 53% Māori, and, and this yep. makes for a, a fairly unique learning environment. So what what specific actions did your school take and, and staff take yep. to celebrate, say, tikanga and, and student success on a daily basis?
0: Yeah, it's, it's little things. Um, it's more how you approach kids. Um, even things like looking in the eye is is um, even for a lot of Pacific Island cultures too, like touching the head, looking in the eyes. a sort of a knowledge about what's acceptable, sitting on tables and stuff like that. But in terms of formalities, it's tikanga um, and karakia every day um, to start the day, whether you're in assembly or in the form classes. Um, once a week, you have an Iti ponamu program, which is kind of like a it's a standard homework club, but it's got a sort of um, whānau flavor to it. There's kai available, and it is about um, being a sort of in real inclusive group where it doesn't really matter what subject your teaching background is, you go in to help these kids, and it is targeted for these um, for the Māori kids in school to get that sort of connectedness with the teachers um, and develop the relationships before you focus on the learning as a more traditional homework club might do it. Um, so those are sort of the things you'd see around on a daily basis. Um, but underneath all that, you've got um, a lot of Eastern-based schools are, are doing it because of the high Māori population up here is... Um, Ki which is focusing on culturally responsive and relational pedagogy, yep. which is a massive government initiative. Um, you know, looking at how you approach your planning and teaching, and what lens you you look at the classroom with. So it's really trying to be student so, student centred and sharing the power. And you'd want to hear the kids' voice as much as the teachers. And that's sort of how the undertone about where we want to go at Fakatani.
1: Yeah, and I've heard you. I've heard you bring up this program quite a bit through through sport and education and stuff that, that um, it, it seems like, as, as a teacher, you value it and you're seeing some yeah. positive stuff come from
0: it. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, um, when we set up Taraweta High School, you know, there's lots of 21st century pedagogies you want to do because we are in an MLE and the same as a traditional school in Fakatani, we're sort of trying to teach in a 21st century way and how research over decades will say that what works for Māori kids is, you know, a shared powered environment where... The kids can self-determine or have um, say in what they learn, how they learn, and they're real collaborative. It's yeah. the, the buzzword is interactive or dialogic conversations, which is basically student-to-student conversations based on what they're learning. And um, the whole assessment process looks at what you're hearing and what you're seeing within the classroom. And um, it goes beyond, beyond that in terms of uh, like the reciprocal teaching and stuff like that but fundamentally it is down to if you're looking in a classroom with a good um, culturally responsive relational pedagogy is there a sense of warmth and caring from student to student the staff to student as well
1: yeah
0: yeah massive on relationships first Mm. and letting maori achieve as maori and however they interpret what being maori is 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 how they see it and you kind of being pakeha you kind of just got to try and understand where they're coming from but it doesn't Make it just relevant for Māori kids, like it's actually just common sense as well. I think coming from the way I approach teaching.
1: Yeah, no, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. You know what's what's good for Māori is good for everybody, and that yeah. strong focus on relationships is is um is paramount to what we do as teachers. Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate um, you just mentioned something before um, around eye contact what you, how does what's unique about that
0: Oh, it's just staring people it's not necessarily a Maori thing but staring people down in the eye and um, you know um, being sort of that authoritarian f- okay. figure yeah like, if, if you back some of some of um, the Eastern Bay kids into a corner, they're not going to roll down and submit. They're, <laughs> they're going to look you back in the eye. So it's it's not about staring down and being okay. this authoritarian figure. It's more so just getting on their level because quite often when you do see teachers yell at them or yelling yeah, at them, at Māori kids or Pākehā kids around the Eastern Bay, the response from the kid is a yell back, whereas maybe in some other schools the kids are maybe a bit more submissive or something like that, but... Getting alongside the kid, it's kind of come from the restorative approach as well, where you treat the behaviour, not the kid. As a you know, you, you yeah, kind of come yeah. alongside and use it as an educational opportunity instead of a punitive opportunity. Yeah, for and sure. And from what I found, that works a million times better <laughs> with the Māori kids. This restorative approach, as opposed to a, a traditional Auckland grammarist, pull your socks up, move out of my way, you know, sort of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, yeah. I, I hear you there. Yeah. I've gotten to know you kind of the last six months. Um, with yeah. Both sport and education schools. Um, yeah. What, what's your take on sport and education? How would you describe it to someone who's kind of hearing about it for the first time?
0: Well, for me, I, I like I've learned a lot in the last six months because what Pete and Ben explained to me at school was sort of how Fakatani High School have done it and they've had success with that. But going to these meetings in Wellington and that, it's far bigger than than was sort of what I first interpreted about it all. But. Um, I suppose for us, the way we do it is we try and link the learning through physical education, but a bit bigger picture than that, it's more um, using sport or physical activity as a context. Even the way you structure a lesson with warm-up skills and drills and game time and a debrief at the end can be applied to a theory lesson or you know, um, inside the classroom. Um, but also just using sport as a, as a vehicle or a medium to educate um, even like social responsibility, social consciousness, um, learning through and about physical activity or movement. Um, it's sort of quite a cool sort of open um, forum about how you interpret what you want to do. And alongside that, it's all the active pedagogy about movement inside the classroom, um, standing up to answer questions and um, not teacher walking around handing out bits of paper, getting the kids' um, blood pumping a little bit each time you get into a, yeah. a classroom. How,
1: what, what learning areas do you have involved? Um, at our school, we've got
0: three, physical education, um, English and science. In the science, though, Ben's getting a number of unis- uh, numeracy credits mm-hmm. and um, we're looking to grow that um, into maths next year.
1: Cool. Um, I've been meaning to ask you, because um, we just got back from Penns last week. How, yeah. Were you happy with that presentation we did?
0: Yeah, I, fi- I, um, I was pretty nervous actually because I was sort of sh- sort of opening up to what we did at school and I definitely don't feel like we're leaders in the sport and education field because I'm so new to it and Joss is so new to it, but I was proud to show what we've accomplished in two terms. Um, I was pleased that we had about 60 people in there willing to sort of hear about what it was. Yeah. And um, I think that what um, you know what Jane said at the start would have really given a really good understanding to people new to sport and education what it was about maybe sowed the seed of active pedagogy to to people who already preach it in PE but give them the confidence to go do that and approach other teachers in their school to get a way more connected team teaching approach towards it. So yeah. hopefully that's what we got out of it. I was, I was proud to be part of it
1: um, for those of you listening, we, uh Julia and Jane, Matt Cleaver and myself, we, we did a joint presentation at Penn's conference on um, how uh, sport and education is working for us and, and kind of explaining that. And it, it was quite a good session. There were a lot of people there. So mm. um, I, I think it went well and I've seen a little bit of feedback around it. Um, yeah. So got got a few people excited. So that was good.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was probably 250, 300 people at Penn's in general and we had... You know 60 there for that workshop and there was plenty of others they could have gone to so that's pretty cool
1: yeah so you guys you guys have a um a selection process right how does this work
0: yeah it's um
1: why not just handpick them
0: uh, well it kind of is it's uh the the list of kids i got given to me this year were um partly tapped on the shoulder and encouraged to go into it because these kids needed a bit more of a supportive or inclusive environment um Being an all-boys class, predominantly Māori, it sort of was able to get that connectedness or the boys call it a brotherhood (laughs) in the class and there's a real bond between them and once these kids feel that connectedness and feel that support around them, they're far more open to learning. If they feel like they are... Um, just another number in a row, these guys will sort of back off a little bit and not engage in class discussion. So we sort of try to build this, build on this culture that they set there, being predominantly a Moldy boys class. Um, it is sort of, Whakatane High School does stream their kids at a junior level, so we've kind of carried that on to, into this class. So um, a really crude way of putting it would be um, kids who, who haven't necessarily shown a lot of strength in academic or numeracy or literacy. We had four of them come from the learning center, which means they just need more assistance when it comes to reading and writing and stuff like that. Um, So it's sort of kids cut from a similar sort of jib, and other guys have come into it just because they've shown a real passion for physical activity, and they'll sort of uh, add a lot more um, to the practical sessions or the theory sessions. They've got to add something, I suppose, to it, or – And saying that, um, a couple of guys this year just were kind of lost in education system, weren't necessarily athletes. They didn't play for team sports in the school, but they got a good connectedness with the boys in the class. And we've had real success with one of them in particular, um, him just the way he's attending and carrying himself around school. So it's, it's kind of open to a certain group of kids in the school if they're keen to do it.
1: Nice, and I, I like that um, kind of brotherhood has just come through from it. You know, we yeah. that's we draw from from uh, a big Pacifica and, and yeah. Maori, um community here, and that's that's what our school is. Rogatai, yeah, that's what it's known for is its brotherhood. And when I actually when I first moved here, um, a few of my colleagues. Um, like well, not not colleagues actually. A few yeah. of ex ex workmates from from another industry were kind of like, oh, wronger dogs, wrong of dogs. <laughs> what are you going? What, what are you thinking going there for? Yeah. And and I and I was like, oh man, have I made the right choice? But I got yeah. there and I saw the brotherhood and I saw yeah. the way they treated the teachers and the respect yeah. they have for one another. And it, and it doesn't happen all the time, but no. you can definitely see that flavor come through, and it's really yeah. cool to be a part of that. Yeah,
0: definitely. It's a it's a massive
1: thing that keeps these boys in school. Yeah. So you're, you're implementing sport and education at year 11. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you start at the senior school or did you do no, some groundwork with d- the juniors?
0: They deliberately, um, as far as I know and what I've been told, they deliberately started it at, at NCEA level 1 because these boys were going okay in junior school because there wasn't the pressures of NCEA on them. Yeah. Um, and same with the teachers, you know, they could probably cater and adapt their programs a lot more. As soon as you get into level 1, you're and even though you shouldn't be, a you know, you do feel the pressure of the assessment and credit um, achievement. And so with these guys, if they went into the normal um, timetable with multiple teachers, multiple transitions throughout the day, um, that what they were finding is through the cold data, the community of learning up here, that the Māori boys it's on par with national data were, were struggling when they hit NCA level one. So one of the strategies from the school was to, Get this boys' class up and running to try and curb that trend of um, slowly disengaging or um, achievements sort of dropping a little bit by the end of level one. So it was more like, okay, let's wrap around them when the year that's really critical leading into level two. Yes,
1: yeah, so you've you've identified your weakness as well, and you, you've used yeah. data, and you've you've gone in and you're, you're trying to um, yeah. you're trying to hit it like that. That's cool. You mentioned at Penn's conference that you were using solo taxonomy within sport yeah, and education, yeah. and I think that's really cool. And yeah. I, I want to incorporate it here, but it just you know um, I haven't got around to it yet. But can you tell us a little bit about that and how it fits into the program?
0: Yeah, the whole thing was I remember you know at teachers' college, you studied it and stuff like that, and then you go out into the real world and you get into PE teaching and you sort of forget all these awesome um, theoretical you know lesson structures that you do. But a lot of PE teachers and, and good teachers will scaffold. Um, they're learning similar to this anyway, and so you'd be surprised that this sort of structure is um, not completely foreign to you, um, but our Joss Matthews, our literacy um, specialist, who's the, the community of learning literacy specialist and the SIE English teacher, yep. um, she sort of does this with the, with the boys, and so she shared it with me, um, and when we were looking at um, the achievement standard 1.2, looking at functional anatomy and biomechanics, she applied it there to make it tangible for me to understand as well as the boys. <laughs> um, so you're kind of starting off at this pre-structural stage, which is this first stage, and that's when the kids are struggling to even understand the concepts. Um, once they are able to sort of identify or define and do simple elements to it, then they can start linking other things into their learning. Um, so basically what they did was, in terms of anatomy, functional anatomy and movement, you know, should look at initially. you Should just identify bones and muscles and joints in isolation, and then to try and develop on that, should look at um, specific joints um, of the body and how those muscles and bones then attach to that. Then building on from that, you're linking into okay, well, what type of movement does that joint allow, and what is the purpose of it, and then as you're getting towards the, um, well, that's that's the first stages of um, unium uh, multi-structural ideas. So you're starting off with one concept, like maybe the bone or the muscle, then you bring in the joints and uh, multi-structural understanding of this whole picture of anatomy, and then you get into this relational thinking area where you're starting to um, link and integrate more to the higher level thinking concepts, so you develop an explanation of maybe how the joint functions um, connecting with the muscles, like um, agonists antagonists, um, so you bring in another level of understanding there, and then... You're at your um, extended level that she's maybe starting to um, predict or hypothesize movements. And that's when the biomechanics and the forces or the summation of forces applying to a shot put or javelin might come into the higher end of thinking. So you're starting off just at the basic anatomy and then applying these structures, linking them, and then getting them to maybe hypothesize or generalize or evaluate sort of what would happen next. So it's just scaffolding the thinking process really it's kind of my real crude way of understanding it and the way joss explained it like that was kind of how i got a grasp of it
1: you know i guess it it gives the student it it makes their makes their the level that they're at it becomes really visible and they know what they need to do to hit the next step i guess
0: yeah yeah and that being visible is really important because there is this like um just a flow diagram of um boxes or symbols leading through the stage of learning you're at and what Joss and I saw um, recently up at Manaiakalani Trust School, um, East Tamaki. They every classroom they had this um, big infographic of the solo taxonomy on every wall, every classroom. And whether the teachers there linked the learning to it or not, but it looked cool and it was present in the school. You know, you, yep. you could sense that it was there. And so we're, we're going to probably, you know, thinking forward to the future about how we approach any. High order thinking concept or task is that can the kids explain where they're at and what they've, what do they got to do to go to the next level? Could be a theme running through SIE um, or even school wide, you know.
1: Yep, yep. So you've you've been collecting a little bit of student voice this year. What what yep. seems to be the consensus from this co- cohort that's coming through in terms of success so far with sport and education? <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, I've done my own student voice just through a Google form to give me some feedback and. Um, like I've tried to balance the just the, the, the achievement standard work with just with things that I think they should need. Like I took the boys into Pack and Save and I just said, find me the healthiest sport drink. And I showed them how to re- read nutritional labels and sugar content. And um, then we watched the sugar movies. And so all of a sudden all the boys are real proud drinking, um, bringing water bottles and stuff like that. But <laughs> but one of the, um, <laughs> the comments in the student voice form was, too much health, more more basketball. <laughs> so I thought I was doing this big initiative, but um, it was cool, you know, like the, the kids didn't want to be um, saturated with just what I think is important, which is real good feedback for me. But overall, like the comments the boys um, shared with, um, we had a lady, Tara, come in from Sport Bay of Plenty recently and they're producing a secondary school newsletter and she spoke to the boys privately. I had no idea, but the feedback she said they gave her was just that, they know that Ben and Joss and myself are working together and we, we're collaborating and so they feel like we've got a real supportive environment behind the scenes for the boys and that that's pretty important for kids, especially Maori kids, knowing that they're really seen as important. Um, they like the fact that there's this connection between the subjects and we're not fully integrated by any means, but like I said, it depends. like we're just trying to get a themed or linking approach amongst all of it and the, the boys are really enjoying that because they're finding it. Um, relatable and tangible and relevant for them and one of them did actually say they wished 9 and 10, year 9 and 10 at school was like this and yeah. that's just good good evidence if we want to grow our program. So overall the boys are definitely feeling more supported and they value the themed approach to what we're doing um, that's feedback from the boys, we've, we've got some other bits of data um, from them, like we haven't had an assessment this year where less than 85% you know, pass. So we've got really good pass rates, the achievement standard one and two. Yeah, I mean these boys are really crude way of saying it, middle to low academic kids based on their previous experience. You know, their data from year nine and ten showed they weren't if you stream them, they're middle to low end academics in terms of literacy and numeracy. Does that mean they're dumb? No way, man. Like these kids blow me away every day and they got more resilience to push through hard learning tasks than a lot of other kids that you'd see in high end high stream classes you know and so i think we had we had um 19 out of 20 pass the first two assessments term one um which is mean and then we've got um over 90 percent pass for achievement standard 1.2 and the merits are starting to increase a bit more you know like these kids aren't going to come from year nine and ten then nail excellence straight away that real high level stuff but um, we've got a couple of kids with teacher aids for their reading and writing so just operating at level six of the curriculum and succeeding given merits is, is, is awesome. Um, so yeah, we, we've had a couple of kids drop out because their family moved away or one kid basically school wasn't right for him so he left and we've got other cool bits of data around attendance as well.
1: That's cool, man. That's cool to hear, And it? You know, it's as... As an educator, it's it's so hard not to kind of have that deficit approach where yeah. you come in and go, oh, these are mighty students and and they're already yeah. low academic. Wow, yeah. I'm not going to be able to make much difference, so you know I'll just go with the flow. But yeah. you know, you're so passionate about um, about these 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 kids, um, you know, yeah. extending themselves and and being able to learn and being successful in the classroom. So yeah, I, I like that, to
0: I like to think that we the work that these kids are producing are on par because there's three level one PE classes in school plus my SIE boys and I know that the work they've produced um, is on par with what the other classes are doing. It's just we've just got a different approach to how we do it. Yep. And we got yep. less kids in our classes. Like my mate's class has got over thirty kids and I've got twenty, you know. So yep. of course the contact time and the support and I got two teacher aides in the room sometimes. So it's
1: yeah
0: you'd expect to have more results with more adults in front of the kids as well. Yeah.
1: Yep. Certainly. Now, I know we're only halfway through the year, but 2018, yeah. what's what's that going to hold for the high and, and sport and education? Do
0: well, man, management um, met with us the other day with Joss and Ben and myself, and we've sort of thrown a few ideas at them. And um, basically, we're going to present to the heads of department because things might change a little bit underneath them, um, just in terms of budgeting or staffing. But what we've proposed is to grow it to level two because we've, we're seeing successes with these kids. Like one of the kids' uh, attendance... When he was um, at uh, year 10, was about 60, 68% when he finished year 10. At the start of the year, he was at 88%. After term one and after term two, he's at 92% attendance. Wow. And he was in the learning center and all these other barriers or labels you could put on him. But we got data like that saying this is working. And what's going to happen to this kid if we put him back into level 2 mainstream bouncing around the school with all these different teachers and different co-puppers in every classroom at Level 2, which is even another big step up from Level 1. So what we want to do is we want to keep wrapping around these boys and we want to go into Level 2 SIE next year. So same teachers, same guys. Um, But because the classes might be dropping down a little bit just with boys going into Trades Academy and stuff like that, which is going to follow a passion of theirs, and that's really awesome, we might have the room to fit maybe 10 Um, girls into the class because I think we've got a real need to cater for the girls in our school as well because all coal data and ministry data is all about raising Māori boys student achievement but man there's Māori girls at our school who need it just as much so we really want to cater for them as well so the level two potentially could be mixed gender I mean we're a co-ed school anyway so it's the norm Um, at level one we want to do exactly what we've done this year but in a homeroom because we want the learning environment to really represent the boys. At, at the moment, my PE class is in two different maths rooms and those are other teachers' maths rooms. You know, we're the only other guys yeah. going in there. So it's not like I can rearrange the desks how I want them or just put stuff all up over the walls how I want them. And, you know, all that, the study from Kia Kipanuku and Tanga um, programs will say that if you want Māori kids to achieve, you want the learning environment to represent their successes and they want to be able to see their success up on the wall or whatever. So we want to get a room in the school that's based for SIE. And then you could do a lot more in terms of like even the way you run your active pedagogy, you can get um, sports tables and um, you know uh, academic charts, you just stuff on the wall to show their progress. Whereas yeah. if you had another classroom, you can't just take over the whole room. So in 2018, we want to have a homeroom for the SIE Level 1 and a definite level two program operating within the school, but whether that's in a homeroom as well, whether with the timetable can fit that, we're not sure. We kind of hope when they get when they get to level two, they can handle a few more transitions after the foundation we've given them this year. Um, and we're probably going to be pushing just a little bit more of the um, the way they learn and operate digitally um, with a combined website for the teachers and and um, or student student portfolios with um, blogs to share their learning and really engage the family too. Yeah, so that,
1: that, that's awesome, and that's um, the next level. Yeah, yeah, just having that transparency back home and stuff yeah. like that, and um, yeah. you know, with the results that you've you're seeing this year, there's it, it's it's a no brainer that you know the, your senior leaders are supporting you through to level two. So that's awesome to hear.
0: Yeah, they they made that call early on. They they said um, you know the green light to level two, but we've we want you to help us see how it looks. You know, and we met with the you know DP in charge of timetable, we met with her last term and she'll stoked because she gives her enough time to to cater for that. There's never a, a problem with timetabling if there's enough time to, to, to sort it, you know? Yep. Yep.
1: Hey um last question. Yep. Um What's your choice and why? Surf, ski, skate or mountain <laughs> bike? What's, what's it gonna be Oh
0: man, well, I used to make my own longboards, skateboards, and um, would go skating around all the subdivisions of Tauranga before the houses were built. <laughs> so as a youngster, I probably would have said skate. Um, and I do ski and snowboard, but living where I live, man, you can't beat hopping on a longboard, nine foot longboard, and two foot West End. I hope you with, or you with um, your best mates out surfing on a Friday evening when the sun goes down, man. Good for your soul. So I'd have to say, I'd have to say surfing, for nice. sure. Nice. Yeah.
1: Hey um, Julian, I just want to thank you for taking the time out to have a have a yarn. Um, you know, I've I've sat there last few meetings we've had in Wellington, and I've listened to you speak, and, and um, I've just kind of thought to myself that you're a real passionate dude. And cool man, just, thank just, you. Just just the chat we've had today just you know reinforces um, uh, just I guess your passion and and your belief in your students, and I think that's really important. And um, I think a lot of teachers would aspire to have your level of enthusiasm for their students. And I think it's really oh, cool to hear from
0: oh, I appreciate the words, man. And I've just loved the opportunity to be part of this program this year. And you know, in terms of where we go for Māori kids around here, I like to think that the way these kids sit in their classrooms now is nothing like the how their parents sat. <laughs> you know that's the goal. Is yeah. it's gotta change because no matter what's happening for kids, Māori or Pākehā, It's got to look different to what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and how their parents were, because we're losing kids in the education system because they're disengaging, not because it's not the right place for them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, thanks for your time. I appreciate the opportunity, Carl.
1: No, cheers, mate.